Welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We've got the NIA boys here, fresh and direct from the year 2022. Welcome, boys, and Happy New Year to everyone listening. Uh, boys, how's the break been? We've been uh, staying in touch, but everyone's been getting fat and getting smashed, it sounds like. So how, how's it been? Dude, we, uh, Vancouver is pretty quiet, man. The uh, We're back on lockdown, basically. Like, semi. Oh, serious? Like, like early no like lockdown lockdown but shut down the bars clubs and uh omicron fears man i don't know <laughs> where you guys are like yeah. i don't know what's going on but uh up here we're that we've decided that it's still you know something it's that still we, a thing fair enough yeah. to be taken seriously <laughs> yeah jack what about you mate how's it going down there all good all good can't complain nice little holiday season back at it back at it 2022 at it. and yeah. as you can tell from for people watching i'm still in the london in europe because i've got the, the handheld <laughs> here i've got my hand on the london the You're london the yeah london? like the sedan but the london and uh, yeah so let's let people know what we're talking about we, we've got a, a packed agenda today we're going to be talking about trading the meta game which is an interesting take on crypto and gaming we're going to talk about board ape yacht club where you probably heard about it the first time on this pod if you've been an old school listener uh, Jack talked about that in episode two or three, and it recently just flipped um, Punks, which is the original, what well, one of the, that was always the most expensive NFT, and we're going to talk about that. We're also going to be talking about how Jack is assessing his risk on the risk curve and uh, what he's going to be doing with some of that money and uh, how he's thinking about all of that. We're also going to talk about PFPs, uh, profile pictures. You've seen a lot of these uh, NFTs, the the most popular kind of NFT are these profile pictures. Picture for proof is, an, is another definition of it. I don't know. We can talk about what that actually means. Um, Jack's got a take on why he thinks that's the breakout medium. And then we're going to get on to worst predictions. It's the new year, so everyone's talking about their their you know crystal ball predictions. And a lot of those are going to be terrible. So we're going to break down a few of the worst ones at the end. So... Uh, let's get straight into it, boys. We let's talk about them trading the meta game. I know our boy Kobe um, wrote a post on his his Substack, and yeah. So I mean, I think Jack was going to tee this one up. What what was he talking about? What was it just? Well, of it? Jack, why don't you first tell us who Kobe is for the listeners, the two That's listeners true. they don't know? That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, and I've been maybe following him for a year or so, but he's OG crypto trader, I think involved in some, maybe in Ethereum very early on. So uh, did well for himself, has been a uh, prolific and profitable trader for some time, has a great reputation for you know making good calls. And he's, he has a, um, I think a daily show called Up Only. So incredible name, absolutely incredible budget, name. Spend that over there. But he's he's a funny dude, smart guy, and just started writing writing these long form posts on Substack. And this is one of them that we're going to be talking about. But there's actually another one where he talked about a few of the things that we've discussed in the previous episode, just about attention really being the only asset to pay attention to in crypto, which may even be a better precursor to what we're about to talk about. I can't remember in what order he wrote these posts, but um, I think someone is so embedded in Twitter and crypto culture uh, kind of sees it from the, um, uh, you sort of see it from the seed stage of the narrative. And I think that's uh, kind of where the whole 
space is going in terms of like people making correct predictions. Like these things start as a couple influential people talking about them on Twitter that like it's the Wall Street bets phenomenon just in a different uh, yeah. financial market, right? Uh, but the meta game that he refers to is basically like, you know, there's these waves of narrative in crypto. So there's, you know, DeFi, DeFi summer was 2020 maybe. And then going into the end of 2020, there's NFTs and it's NFT summer this year. Now it's crypto gaming and, you know, L1s. It's like uh, this, uh, this chain can perform the same things that ethereum can but it's way less fees way faster maybe it's more centralized whatever oh, else one but being level one is that yes the yeah yeah okay. so i think the like the general point he's making is like people who and a lot of these successful traders come from like league of legends or competitive like multi what do they call it M mmo rpg massively multiplayer yeah. massively multiplayer online role-playing games and they're kind of looking at the whole universe and allocating time, attention, energy to the thing where atten the, the place where attention is flowing. And because a lot of this stuff is like pre-product in a lot of cases, like it's either pre-product or it's really early stage or it's like um, you know, heavily reliant on a lot of things happening in the future that have not yet happened as all like investment, like, you know, high risk investment class assets are like bets on a story. It's a great Morgan Housel quote. I'm going to mess it up, but the um, essence of it is every valuation is a story about a story from today multiplied by a story about tomorrow. And That's a great quote. Yeah. It's, it's a brilliant way to think about it. And crypto is obviously that on steroids because of the lower barrier to entry and like the liquidity in these markets. Um, but yeah, the, the idea that to be a successful trader at the highest level, you have to understand like where this attention is shifting and there's always some like outsized return or some outsized amount of uh, capital or attention being directed at like a sliver of the ecosystem or, or one like narrative starts to take hold. And if you're able to spot that narrative, take hold before everybody's talking about that narrative in the same way that like some of the NFT stuff we talked about last year in April, probably April, March, sorry, April, May, um, the, the real like crypto insiders had been buying CryptoPunk six months before that. So that narrative has slowly reached yeah. the mainstream and now probably the returns in the NFT market are leveling off in some like relative to where they were a year ago. And maybe crypto gaming is now this thing that's like everyone's talking about, oh, if we're able to better incentive or play to earn basically, right? Yeah, like build give, better, give build better gaming models, like better models. incentives. Exactly. Yeah. That's like, you know, that's that, that narrative has taken enough of a footing in the last few months that now capital is like being well, allocated. What's funny in is actually directions. he went trending yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw that. He basically said something to that effect, like uh, why crypto and gaming are kind of inevitable. Um, again, I'm probably chopping this up because I, uh, I don't have the full memory there, but he was hit up by a lot of the gaming community and then it, he literally tweeted, uh, Kobe was trending and he's like, good night. Like, this is enough for me. But, uh, Jack, I, I think that was a perfect overview that you hit. I wanted to tease out actually a little of those, uh, each of those narratives that you mentioned and like kind of talk about the micro of it. 
to make uh, to really bring the SA to life and nail the story. But Kobe kind of mentioned one of the first uh, what the meta the meta stories or the the meta idea that he traded was back in I think 2012 2013 when he first got into Bitcoin trading. He knew that these kind of altcoins, the meta game was which coin gets listed onto some big exchange, right? That was the meta game, right? And he talked about how like you basically were like surfing to see which one would get listed. And like you, while on the micro level, you're picking and choosing individual coins. What you're really doing, the game is who is getting listed on the big exchange, right? So like if you were to apply that same framework to kind of the names you've mentioned, like DeFi summer or the level one or the NFTs is like, yeah, you're buying like Jack, you're out there buying board apes, but you without even maybe even realizing what you're really doing is you have, you clearly picked up. Like when you told us about board apes in April and May, you had clearly picked up on like, Hey, these cartoon characters that are being uh, sold as NFTs, this whole thing is clearly something, right? Sorry. I was definitely a level down from a Kobe who's like, sitting above right. that, right? Viewing how attention- But you had attention- identified that in another way, right? Like you hadn't formulated maybe with like a, a, a formally, but like you clearly were thinking somewhere in that realm. You, like you said, you're not catching the 50,000 foot like he did, but like your thinking led you in a similar direction. But to your point is like, there are people picking these up day one, right? And like they knew the narrative because they knew six months ago that crypto punks were like, oh wow, the volume, the movement's kind of suggesting that this is a space. Is that is that direction? Yeah, yeah, correct? yeah. I think I think it's like the it's a macro view, but where it differs from like a traditional market is like the macro takes way. Oh, traditionally, the macro thesis takes a long time to play out. Right. right? If you're talking about commodities or like trade law and like. Uh, geopolitics those like cycles are way slower but macro trends in crypto can really shift in like ridiculous amounts of time because of the social nature of it because of the you know the speed at which capital moves like the global market the no opening hours all of those all of those layers of things that make crypto as nutty as it is is um like the macro can change way faster than you know uh a, a more traditional or more regulated financial market. I just want to add one more uh, was uh, to, to, to kind of add to your point was he did mention which one I think would be very salient for any listener that isn't fully capturing what we're thinking about here is when Elon started tweeting about Doge in about summer of 2020, he basically said, okay, investing in Doge is kind of the micro play, but the meta game is now what are the dog coins? Dog coins what are the yeah. dog? Yeah, right. He's yeah. like, what are the dog coins you can? And true, right? He nailed. I mean, it was like it was such a perfect frame. If you invested in Shibu, you'd be crushing it right now. It's like, what are the adjacent? What is the game that's being played now? All this attention is now being putting on a coin, the 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 the, the original meme coin of crypto that is represented by a dog. Okay, what does that suggest? That means all these other dog coins are gonna blow up. Yeah, and I th- and I th- like you have to have such a objective view because right. you know anybody that comes from traditional finance, like I imagine Fiat Fan is looking at a Shiba Inu, finds it difficult <laughs> to allocate to that, right? <laughs> but but these these people, I guess, have been in that ecosystem long enough to like they've made a profit trading on narratives on things that didn't play out, right? Like it's a yeah. very different thing than like. I think 
we're even seeing that phenomenon with traditional companies now as like vaporware in traditional companies. I'm sure you could roll off a list of those, Strong, but the Nicolas of the world and all of the Nikolai, I don't even know the name of it. But yeah. A lot of companies that raise huge amounts of money that well, don't have a product. Well, the meta narrative is electric, right? Like that's why right. there are so many companies like Lucid right. and Rivian. Yeah, and right. Nico- that was a that that would be the meta game. Is like okay, Tesla's established a field that this disruption is worth a trillion dollars. So slap that's a joke. Slap EV on it, and we go public, and we'll be a ten billion dollar company with zero revenue. That's the meta. That's the meta game right there. Yeah, and those people like. There's there's two people playing that right. There's the mark. There's the investors and the speculators, and then there's yeah. the people that are like let's start an EV company. Like they're exactly. playing the meta game too. Um, and I think that that crypto has just shortened those cycles in the same way that like all the people that were writing product threads about productivity last year are now like Web three in the bio. Right? It's like that's yeah. the meta game of attention <laughs> right now. It's you, you, you go where the attention is. You, and I think, yeah, it's just, uh, it's fascinating to watch, like, and very hard to distinguish between, like, who is, you know, who has skin in the game or who is, like, genuinely, like, working to understand these topics or build it into something versus, yeah. like, surfing the narrative. And, um, yeah, I think, we're, like, the internet, crypto, social, all of those layers together just, it makes everything way more like a video game. Like even a well, remote he, job uh, now is a video game. Uh, I, blah, I think, yeah, I, you, I saw you pull the mic up, but let me drop one point. It's about Elon. Was uh, He was just saying that, uh, and I'll just bookend it with, with the Doge thing. He said when Elon went on SNL, if you're looking at that as the meta narrative, he's like, that is like full saturation and peak. Like that was what he's saying, right? That was comparable to uh, right before the Great Depression, uh, Joseph Kennedy, JFK's father, a very well-known Wall Street uh, individual, he famously said, "Is like when the shoeshine boy was giving you stock tips and you it's the top. It's like similar uh, to uh, the Doge for Doge, uh, Elon going to SNL. is like if anybody had n- not known about Doge up to that point, it's like now it's fully saturated. This meta story is kind of reached this conclusion. And that, that's basically what happened, right? So yeah, the way I was thinking about it there is as you guys were talking about layer one summer, oh, sorry, uh, DeFi summer, NFT summer, Solana summer, etc. Those are all those kind of like mini narratives that proliferate and people jump in on those storylines and they, you know, it hypes them up even more. And now we're seeing a new wave of that. And personally, the way I've kind of always played that for myself is I, I really need to separate like, what is this being driven by? And there's normally two things. It's either hype. I mean, it's always hype, but primarily by hype. So obviously a meme coin like Shiba Inu is very different to the fundamentals of a Bitcoin or Ethereum or the fundamentals of, um, you know, macro trends in early stage technology investing in AI and machine learning, etc. So that is one thing. And I quickly realized anytime it was just strictly momentum like that, I'm not great at playing that because i can't hold any of that long term i just don't believe in it long enough and i and in my head i'm like this is stupid why am i even doing this um and the other part is is this being driven by like fundamentals uh is there a reason people start talking about polygon when we we mentioned polygon uh ages ago on this on this um podcast as well we talked about solana and again it's always partly both there's always a bit of hype there's some um there's a meme nature to it 
But also sometimes it's because Solana has lots of people developing on it. And there's a, a bunch of developers that are switching and saying, oh, actually, I'm going to develop on this platform versus others. And then there's a the straight up Shiba Inu, which is let's catch and be the next <laughs> Dogecoin. So as always, I'm not like against any of these things, if as long as you know, you know, kind of what you're doing. Um, but it's interesting to, to kind of like place those things in my head anyway, like what's driving it deep down. Because right now, like... A lot of the gaming stuff we've talked about this before. The play-to-earn yeah. games are kind of not the best, right? Like they're they're kind of boring most of the time. As soon as you take the money out of that, then yeah. most people aren't going to be playing Axie Infinity. It sounds like so. Um, but there are going to be next generations of this. And the interesting thing when I read Kobe's you know tweet storm on this as well, he he's been talking about gaming for a little while, and I think this stems from earlier like last year when the discord ceo went on twitter and it talked about nfts or something coming to discord um and uh, a lot of the gaming community oh, like, yeah, rebelled Packy, against uh, it right our boy packy wrote that piece and he replied with the eyes suggesting like oh looks like nft exactly. are coming and then they had the whole blow up and then they had to back out back yeah. back up because people were getting annoyed with them and so i've just got one of kobe's tweets is at kobe he said the outrage from gamers over the inclusion of nfts is an astronomical unwitting vote against self-interest if gaming companies are able to build more sustainable revenue models without payable dlc nfts can improve player experience even if you opt out of buying them for yourself and th the only reason i want to bring that up is because it's kind of linked to what we're talking about here and his point here is this world is developing and like gaming is just one microcosm of this DeFi is another version of this like there's traditional um people there and you come in and you say here's an alternative and the people who are currently playing that game will say what the hell are you doing we've already got something that works that we love and stay out of our space and gaming is is, is an interesting example because a lot of gamers are quite tech savvy obviously um but it's something that is so deeply rooted in you know, like play of, for obvious reasons and like that kind of passion you get from playing games and the communities. It's different to, oh, a banker who is like just protecting their wallet. So it's, I think we're going to see this in multiple fields and it's another trend that will continue to kind of play out. So well, yeah, I, that was, I have yeah. to give you credit, dude. Thank you for sharing that, but I think you missed the biggest point. <laughs> and I think this is my takeaway. So you and I have both been listening to Jack do his thing. Only you have actually gone and took the initiative to follow up on it. The Toads, Toads summer, dude. Toads, you, toads back in the game. Yeah. <laughs> after Jack <laughs> mentions it, you go out and do it. Again, not investment advice. We cannot yeah. stress this enough. I've done zero. I have, but, and then DeFi, you got caught a little bit of DeFi bug. You go out and test it. Like you were legit in the weeds, yeah. like trying these things out, right? And I yeah. have to respect I was, that. And I'll be honest, on NFTs, I'm really interested in them. But I clearly don't have as much conviction in NFTs as I do other things. That's why I've 10 times more invested in mm -hmm. skin in the game and the other worlds. Um, but honestly, for me, I don't know if it's just my Pakistani background, but as soon as someone <laughs> pays me interest, I'm just like, I'm all in. I'm like, 6%? Okay. 28%? 973000000 million percent? All right. Wait, you're going to put money. my money to work? <laughs> And then I'm going to exactly. get the principal back? Yeah, is this yeah. a, explain the this to me. Hold on a second. <laughs> exactly. Wait, hold on, hold on. Okay, my last thought I want to add to all of this, I, I think we can probably put an end to this thing unless Jack had thought was, 
Uh, I sent that tweet in the Telegram, uh, my DM I got in the Telegram chat, and I think it nails it perfectly to Jack's point. Somebody messaged me with some shit coin saying, hey, looks like you have received a reply from Elon. If you can get Elon to reply, retweet, or engage with, uh, I guess, Fave is the only other option, with a tweet mentioning our coin, we'll give you $50,000. Now, hold on a second. Incredible. Jack, you're the attention guy. Elon Musk engagement is worth a lot more than $50,000. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you can get Elon Musk to reply to a tweet, why don't you start your own shitcoin? Yeah, exactly, bro. Why am I not trying to start my own like Tesla Tesla fanboy coin? Like, Get out yeah. of here. Own all the economics of it. This is we got to do this on another episode, but like spam scams and like the creativity behind some of this stuff now because it's so like easy to make life-changing amount of money in 24 hours and disappear forever like the sophistication that's coming to the yeah to that side of it is really wild well i think uh your point about how much faster these cycles happen right because you didn't mention earlier about like geopolitical super cycles so like, i when i moved to vietnam after graduating in 2008 i without knowing it was essentially playing a meta game i was playing the all the world's investors <laughs> yeah all the investors <laughs> Are putting money into emerging markets. That was the meta game, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like the rise of China, and then what's gonna happen? So my thinking was, that I was gonna actually move to Shanghai. I was like a lot of people, like, oh, we gotta go to China, right? Two thousand eight, China's rising, getting on the ground floor. Turns out I don't speak Mandarin. I speak really bad Vietnamese. So I'm like, I'll just move to Vietnam, right? But it was the same logic. It's like, what people don't know is like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Outside of China, Vietnam was getting the most foreign direct investment in the world. The reason being is like. China is obviously a manufacturing hub, but if you're a large, uh, you know, global manufacturer, you're the thinking that you had to have was China plus one. So if you Google China plus one, it's a very well-known concept. The idea being, okay, you use China, but you have to have a backup. So the plus ones became Vietnam, Indonesia, Bangladesh. Uh, Bangladesh. So. Yeah, exactly. So like all these big manufacturers had the China plus one strategy. So I'll give you an example. And a lot of it's playing out now because of the tensions between uh, America and China, where like Apple's moved like a lot of their AirPod production to Vietnam. Uh, Samsung ages ago moved their smartphone production to Vietnam. Intel has a fabrication plant in Vietnam. So the China plus one thing, that was a meta game that I didn't even think about that I was playing. I thought I would get rich by being a Westerner in Vietnam. It did not happen. So <laughs> just to be clear, it did. the meta game did not play out for me. But to Jack's original point, this was my final thought on it, was that whole thing was a 20-year cycle, right? It's like, China opening, joining the World Trade Organization happened 2001, right? Deng Xiaoping opening China to the West happened in 1980. So like me moving to Vietnam was part of this meta game that had been in play for 30 years. And uh, whereas in crypto, like you said, it can happen overnight. And Elon Musk tweet can completely shift the narrative, right? And it's, it's so insane. It's almost unfathomable. Yeah, and, and those things are speeding up the cycles of physical like meta game playing right. as well i don't know if you saw that stat from i think it was the new york times published it but it was like uh state in and out state immigration have you seen that in and out. oh no where they go like where they're heading so like people leaving new york and california like oh, yeah, yeah. in droves and then texas um Florida, basically red states that red are, states, are yeah. like easier on COVID restrictions and tax and all and those like things. And like tier two cities, 
basically, right? Because they the Tennessee, you could work bro, more remotely. The Tennessee tier two, uh, t- tier two, would you call it? Uh, oh, closer to tier one now. Nashville's a, Nashville's a tier th- three becoming a tier two, I think. Okay. I think this is a perfect segue. Bilal, what's the next thing we wanted to yeah. talk about? <laughs> Great segue. So we got Bored Apes Flipping Punks. All right. And so uh, this is in the last week or so. Um, we saw Bored Ape Yacht Club, which you heard about here first, I'm sure, at point. Two or point three ETH. There was the original price that we. I think we talked about it. A few hundred dollars. The now, now the floor price is seventy three point five ETH. I just checked. Just okay. Can we explain ago. the flipping? The, why is the floor price the the flipping metric here for the listeners that for the one or two listeners that aren't total degens on this list so, on this podcast? So the 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 ten thousand avatar. You know, the restricted supply avatar project was made popular by a collection called CryptoPunks, came out in 2017. They're actually given away for free. So you could claim them for free. And um, the market really started heating up late 2020, early 2021. And they, uh, summer of last year, they got to like 140, 150 ETH floor price to CryptoPunks. Gary V's jumping in there. Like there's a huge, there was a huge surge of attention in that direction. Um, so the floor price, which means essentially the cheapest entry point into the collection, it was the comparable to a board ape yacht club. So that was kind of the metric that a lot of the members of that community were measuring against for how, you know, how popular the collection is, like what culture deems to be the more significant collection essentially. So, uh, I think at the high end, crypto punks are still, um, you know, 10, 20, 30 X off the highest um, board ape sale at the high end, but actually it might, may not be true as of yesterday. So I might be wrong on that one, but um, a, a couple multiples higher. And that's been like the Twitter narrative, like when, you know, when flipping like board apes becoming the, the, the premium or the, you know, the, un, the untouchable NFT collection relative to like the OG CryptoPunks, and there were other collectible projects came before that. I think the ten thousand avatar project is the most comparable, you know. And and just to put that in perspective, people don't know that's a minimum price now. To if you go on OpenSea today and try to buy one of these in dollar terms, that's more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars as a minimum price is currently, you know, the market price for these things. And in the last few weeks, we've seen everyone from Eminem, Dave Chappelle, Britney Spears. And our favorite Eminem John Terry. <laughs> yeah. Wait, the John Terry, the, the football yeah. player. Yeah, which is a funny well, one. He's got John... a, a mutant Bilal, so he's like oh. on the uh, the different tier, but still. He's on the, he's <laughs> That's on a tier, tier two, two like, city, right? Yeah, the yeah, mutant exactly. tier two city. <laughs> he's getting the but Nashville no. of board games. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, and you know, if, if people are interested in this topic, obviously go back and listen to. If you're new to the, the show, we talked about this early on episode three, but also we've done episode on. NFTs in 2030, which was kind of trying to extrapolate and say, what is the point of NFTs? What is this whole world going to look like? And we tried to explain or understand like what's going on there. Um, and um, Trung mentioned flipping in. That phrase is used in all sorts of contexts. People have talked about the flipping of Ethereum to Bitcoin. Bitcoin's the number one in terms of market cap. And will, will it ever be that Ethereum flips it? And you know, so on and so forth. You can do that forever. Um, but the point here is, Jack, we're going to talk to you about your situation because you bought these a long time ago. You shared it on the pod 
you've obviously been a massive supporter of it. Um, but yeah, just kind of where are you now with all of this? Because it's the new year and it's probably worth a discussion around a around sober politics. massive supporter with all of his biases put to the side <laughs> and objective view no legitimately like we're talking like there's there's the, we're talking about tears there's tears of massive supporters right i think jack's probably like a more like level <laughs> supporter well this project. is a tweet that i think you had shared or someone has shared in the group chat and it said uh, it's from Gainsey. It said, if you don't own a house, but you own a JPEG of a monkey, perhaps sell the monkey JPEG and purchase a house, <laughs> which I think is quite a fair uh, thing to bring up. So yeah, over to you. Yeah. What do you what, where's well, your head at with all this? So, Trong, I appreciate the uh, the analysis. I try to be that way. Like The idea of spotting the trend rather than like being personally invested or connected to it because i didn't i didn't what i see how i see people experience their like relationship with the thing is not the thing that i experienced i was like right. watching people do that and be like oh this might become a thing this is a, a trend right um and full transparency i have divested a reasonable portion of my uh board ape position you are out you are out i'm not out a good portion of it like i still have exposure to it but uh, but i sold some and for that reason brought up insightfully in the gainsey tweet there we've been seeing over the last like two or three weeks there are people who someone ran the data and again not perfect because you don't know everyone's situation but 60 to 70 percent of holders have one ape in a wallet with less than you know five ethereum or like half of them have less than one Ethereum. so the idea that's like profound to me is like this is um i don't be careful with the words i use here i think i think the relative upside from this point is um is capped relative to the lifestyle upgrade that that game could afford me now right, right. so i'm i yeah not saying this for any um with any desire that there is a negative price impact to because you're still things. you're still in the game i'm still in there and i think there's a couple things a couple experiences i had over the last few months going to the nft <laughs> yes. conference in new york we talked about that we i think about it, yeah like the relative value you can provide, like the value you can provide relative to the cost of the asset. If you make the conversation about utility, I think you're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. And I think that's where I believe personally more in the approach of a CryptoPunk project from that perspective, where there is no promise of, oh, we're going to make a game. We're going to get 10,000 celebrities involved. We're going to build yeah. a club. We're Because we talked about this, like, $400,000 or $250,000 like the the a membership club that costs that much they exist and they're getting you a lot more than a warehouse party in Brooklyn right and i know it's yeah. early days let's not like i don't want to um it's not davos it's like if you right. you know what i mean like if you have a $250,000 membership you're basically going to davos with the world's leaders and, and right. that, not again early days that could but, be Davos in 10 years to be honest. Yeah, I think the other thing, yeah, the other thing I think is like there is some there is some 
I think this is really interesting from the perspective of like celebrities joining it because I think there's risk. I think like attaching yourself to something so like intertwining your identity so like inseparably from this thing that you don't necessarily control is a is a risky move in a lot of ways. Um, I think a lot of those celebrity announcements or purchases have been orchestrated this is not like you know this is not eminem like logging onto his macbook and be like oh let me check this out i'm gonna he's not get, in his wallet writing his seed phrase down <laughs> no, no, well, talk about and, the post malone one you know it wasn't or yeah, you know it's a, it wasn't it's a sponsorship right? in the same way that like you know michael jordan doing an avis commercial in the 80s or whatever is like he's not doing it because he loves avis he's doing it because like he's getting the bag right um which respect, that's how it works. I think what's fascinating about this market because it's so early is, you know, imagine the parallel to like a CNBC maybe, like where where there is maybe less understanding of what people are required to divulge as they're like relative to the message that they're, sending does that make sense like trung if you go on cnbc to talk about asset x i don't know if i don't know if you have you have to disclose whether you hold a massive position in that asset or not do you No, they actually shockingly there were no disclosure requirements i think that's the no dude and also what's shocking is i mean this won't be shocking anybody that understands cable tv they're like you have to pick a side and like send us your bullet points for the arguments. I'm just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, That's yeah. hilarious. I mean, and, and the whole other side of this argument is like simulations broken. This shit's going to $10 million a monkey, right? Like that's like, there's a, there's a whole nother side to this where you just um, take the complete, like, you know, the most entertaining outcome is the most likely and it just goes, just runs forever because it's so nonsensical. But my personal decision is like, okay, I think on the best trade, I'm up 17,000%. Like imagine waking up <laughs> and that's like it's at like, zero. You just, you, I like, I wouldn't be able to look in my family's faces yeah, ever yeah, again. You, yeah. Regret minimization that, mate. You got Exactly. Got exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I, think, and, I think it's a fair thing to bring up because I think really, really the, to me, it's more about like just knowing your situation a little bit without knowing obviously the details. If you, it's really about risk and managing risk, right? And like, not that you're putting a massive spreadsheet together necessarily and creating a curve and being like, where am I on this curve? But you're just looking at it and thinking, I've got a hell of a lot of JPEGs right now and I don't have a house and yeah. I have a family to look after. And that's the kind of what we've always talked about for everyone is like, you need to do what you need to do, right? There's no shame in that. So yeah, you know what? There's so a is great... this the rotation, Jack? Like a rotation? Are you rotating? Or yeah. Is well, you know what? There's undecided. There's a great. No, I'm. A... We're gonna buy a house for sure. Uh, okay. I think so we just to clarify. Apes to a house, real estate. Yeah, from yeah. clicks to bricks <laughs> to a house. <laughs> clicks to bricks. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the things I think. Um, is also informed this is like COVID relocation. We've been looking at real estate for a while and like the markets that we've been interested in are just going parabolic. And it's like, man, I don't, 
really, I'm, you know, I'm not a analyst of real estate, but this, the trends that are in place to me don't feel like they're slowing down anytime soon. So it's like a rotation out of this thing that's up 17,000, uh, sorry, 17, yeah, 17,000% into something that's maybe climbing, you know, 30, 40, 50% a year right now. Um, while, while keeping some exposure to that, like moonshot investment, which is what these things are. Right. I think that a lot of people talk about this in, in absolutes, but you know, if say a 2008 level financial event happens, I don't see like money fleeing to profile pictures. That's not how I imagine it's going to play out. (laughs) You wait. So you okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And and, again, not I, I want bonds. to qualify what yeah. you're saying though. You're not degenerate. You're not, and you're also not denigrating yet. This is your personal, no, my personal risk profile. Yeah. There is yeah. a world where it could happen. There is a world where board apes could be a safe haven asset. I actually can see, I can see that. Happen. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think Continue. like <laughs> I, if I didn't believe that I wouldn't have bought them in the first place, but like you get into a certain position where you're like, there's a, different sacrifice I'm making where I'm going to bed every night and there's a little twinge going like, eh, you know, like the, the, the percentages are changing in a degree that I'm not comfortable with. And the other interesting thing that makes this so weird and difficult is that you're also trading into a currency that fluctuates at crazy rate too. Like one day you bought a, like the price of it could remain the same but the like the dollar value of it can fluctuate 50 grand yeah. a day because of you know obviously the price the price fluctuations in ethereum and the other point if you believe in board apes and nfts and you know non-fungible tokens in general exposure to ethereum is is a decent like you know layer zero bet on that ecosystem so you can take some risk off the table whilst not losing complete exposure to the upside of the ecosystem. It's just a, a little shift in priorities, but we'll continue to monitor how this plays out over the course of the not investment. Well, what's advice funny is podcast. as those shifts happen, you'll be discussing with your wife Celia and I'll be like, Hey, we just lost a solarium this morning. Uh, sorry. The 50 grand yeah. I made. <laughs> oh, this, uh, actually, you know what? The sunroom's back. We can afford a sunroom right. now. Look for this, <laughs> add sunroom to the filter. <laughs> Well, you know, it's another, like, I just um, finished, well, not filing, but finished going through tax stuff for oh next my year. Bro. Which is, which is crazy when Bro. you're thinking about, like, withdrawing, converting, every event is, a, like, every conversion into a currency is a taxable event. Like, it's just a, a, a wild mess. And uh, I'm, I'm not, like, really... Is your accountant laughing? Yeah, he actually, you know what? He wasn't um, that shocked. Like the, the scenario I described to him before, because I what really like I'm not deep in like DeFi protocols or yield farming or anything. It's like, hey, I bought this for this much, and I sold it for that much, or like, uh, you know, he's like, sell that for a loss and blah 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 blah. You can bring the burden down doing it that way. It wasn't that crazy, um, but it is like the managing of like the different current because obviously you don't pay tax in ethereum so it's just a just a uh another mental game that you have to play yeah. where you're like when do i withdraw my when do i withdraw the funds to pay my tax bill and in what like in what quantities you do it 
the smartest way to do it would be every time you make a transaction, you just instantly convert and just vault that off and you know exactly what the burden is. But when you're in the middle of these like hype cycles, you're just like, oh, I'm making, I'm making money. I'll figure it out later as long as I don't, you know. That sounds like a great SaaS track. service that I'm sure somebody's working on where like yeah, you automatically remit ones. to the IRS. There's there, a few there good ones. Um, they're like... I would definitely recommend like having a professional review them, but there are some really good like, uh, yeah, SaaS tools that you just plug your wallet address into and it will bring everything up. And, you know, this is how many transactions you made this year. It'll make you feel sick, but um, you have to do it. <laughs> the worst is when you see the gas, the gas oh, fee total, when you see yeah. how much you spend on gas fees. Yeah, I, I have a few of those saved too. And there's one where it automatically does it. And then there's another service where you can work with a professional that they, you know, their team basically, and they can kind of audit it for you or something like that. Yeah. I, need to look I, I mean, up if you're an accountant it. or if you're in that world right now, this is like green pastures, man, blue ocean. I mean, get in if there. you're an accountant listening to this and you know about this stuff, if you're not buying Google ads on this search term, you're losing like yeah, I'm, I, I don't know how much it costs cost per click, average cost per click, but there's so many people looking for this and not many people providing that service, which is definitely worth uh, testing out. Um, so the last thing I was going to say on that, Jack, is really around how, you know, you kind of kind of shared already. The, what I heard from you is kind of like in traditional investing terms, it's like you have a percentage breakout of each part of your portfolio and you rebalance basically right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in this world you're not really balancing every other day because it's, it's, it moves so much and uh, you're not using a service that wealthfront which does it for you itself and uh, so i guess yeah in your case you're moving from one asset to another asset and it seems like a, a smart thing to do for you man yeah i uh like i sold a bunch of bored apes back in may of last year and made basically nothing on them uh so i've already come to terms with the uh <laughs> the unrealized oh, you, i didn't realize you sold some in may yeah back like i bought a whole bunch of them and i was like i just want to cover my cost basis so maybe sold two or three and then now you look at it and it's like oh that's a quarter of a million bucks i sold to save you know a grand and you like you're just going to make mistakes like that you don't you don't can't dwell on it you just gotta keep going and i think like i said the asset classes like real estate volatility is like literally the you know most docile thing you can imagine when you've been messing about with jpegs right if there's yeah. a if there's a spectrum of like volatility and asset prices one's at one end and one is at the other so yeah take some risk off the table and yeah, I think knowing what your lifestyle goals are as well is is very important. Like Jack, how unexcited are you for this mortgage? <laughs> uh, yeah, unexcited pretty much. Sums it up. You're talking about uh you're talking about the excitement of uh uh NFT fluctuations, plain vanilla, the most plain vanilla financial product you can be involved in. Indeed. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta get Bilal to get me some of that DeFi yield to uh, to get the mortgage plugged in there, Bilal. Mortgage that's, DAO, set it up. That's it. That's true. 
No, all, uh, one thing I'm doing actually this year is I'm moving, I'm de-risking some stuff potentially. I haven't done much yet. I was waiting to the new year to sell anything and moving them to stable coins and earning like 20% on stuff. I am loving, I am loving yeah. experimental Bilal. This, I, I love this. <laughs> oh, it's it's, it's always been bro. there. I just, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's just there's more to experiment with, I guess now. But uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, I think you're I've been saying that for a while and I haven't actually done it. I've just been uh, waiting for a little while. Yeah, maybe we'll, I think uh, right, maybe enough, a few man. episodes on that because I'm in the same, I'm in the same boat there. Let, the, this goes back to the first point we brought up with the Kobe post. It's like the, I think the, pl the 17,000 percent returns are like they come around now and again. Right. But in a, in a environment where that like playbook has been executed to do it again, seems yeah unlikely or something that you probably shouldn't bet the farm on. So there's very like, the meta game becomes like knowing yourself a little bit better as well, I think. And like the past, you know, the reason I brought up that stat about the, you know, people hold one board ape and like a small amount of Ethereum in a wallet is like, there's been some like crazy tweets going around on Twitter, which I think inspired the Gainsey uh, comment, which is like, I just gave my seed phrase away and someone took my board ape and it's like, 95% of my net worth, you know, and that's just like what? it's just the most egregious like drunk space. Yeah, wait, no, hold on. Okay, no, hold on. This one, he's like, no, but because Jack, what I'm well, I, I wasn't fully comprehending what you said when you said 60% of the wallets with a board ape had like one NFT in it. Now it's coming into the visual is that this is the majority of their net worth, at least in crypto. Yeah, yeah. okay. I guess it's hard to know. I mean, if you put it, plot it on time on a timeline of people who bought in really early, and I was, you know, my the percentage of my net worth drastically changed as a function of getting into that thing <laughs> early, right? Yeah, and that, like, I think even waiting this long, I remember your guys' reaction when I was showing you the offers like two months in. You're like, you're you're a maniac, right? Just for not it. taking that, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I guess your own, just like. We've talked about this before as well. It's like, what is a life-changing amount of money for you? That's very different for different Everyone. people based on, yeah. you know, how much they earn, whether they have a job, whether they run a business, like what their current investment portfolio is like. And I think, you know, to give some sobering, not investment advice, it's like you have to really like understand what you're trying to accomplish, I think. Or my, my test is always the sleep test, right? It's like, yeah. if I'm like thinking about it at night i'm overexposed morgan household right there is like the, uh, can you go to sleep at night that's a, the easiest heuristic yeah there's uh that 6529 the you know writes these great threads oh, yeah. on crypto in general said if you can't survive a 80 drawdown in crypto and like look at your family and be like i'm good then you're overexposed okay i think yeah i think that's something since the last time in 2017, when everything pop popped off and then dropped, just speaking personally, I didn't really have any plan in place. I was just like, oh, this is only X amount of my percentage net worth. Even then, I don't even know if I was thinking about it like that. I was probably just yeah, thinking, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm willing to in. put X amount. And I, and I said, oh, I won't touch it for a long time. But it wasn't like now it's a bigger percentage. 
right? So it's uh, so th- to be able to have some sort of exit plan, I think is something is actually very smart. Not to say I don't you don't believe in something anymore. It's just you need to kind of create like targets. And this is my opinion, obviously, and I didn't make this up. This is like what smart investors normally do is they'll say, okay, I'm going to take out like what you did. You, you're going to take out your initial stake is what a lot of people do. I know mm-hmm. Trung, when you interviewed Dracomilla, he gave, I, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, he was talking about when something drops by X percentage, they'll, they'll sell half and the, like how they manage risk or something like that. I can't wow. remember, but that there was something along those lines. But more importantly, I think when you get like, you know, crazy gains, which a lot of people have had in the last few years, like you kind of need to say like, all right, is this now 70% of my net worth? And if that's 70% of your net worth and you, like you said, you don't own a house and you need that money for something for you and your family, like you probably should think about taking some, some out. And it's okay. Like if you took profits, no one got poor from taking profits. So it's well, the it's, quote that I brought up earlier from uh, yeah. a gold, uh, successful gold individual in Vancouver is you get rich selling early, right? That, Just like exactly, <laughs> yeah, you get rich selling early. Yeah, and that, I mean, I think that's the that's like the anti meme. Sometimes is like you know that one part of it is like the social component of it, where you feel really attached to this thing because you've paraded it around and it's got 10 million impressions on it with your name next to it so it's like oh you sold it now that's like an announcement that you you know you don't announce selling other assets in the same way yeah. right there's no phys- there's no like visible difference in your persona and i think that's like one of the reasons for its success obviously like a huge reason for its success is like there's an there's a greater connection than you know coin x uh, because if you're up 17,000% on a freaking Shiba coin or something, I would say 0.0001% of people will be hanging on. Yeah. But with, uh, this, is, this is credit to NFTs. There's thousands of people that are up that, to that degree and they haven't gotten out. So there has to be, there is something different here. Like, obviously, these people have huge risk tolerance to begin with because they're messing about paying money for pictures. So it's not like indicative of a, like human psychology in general. But it is, you know, if you compare it to activity in the normal crypto market, I think it would be very, very different. Yeah, Jack, this actually kind of ties us nicely into the next segment we had planned, which is you might have already started talking about it, which was why you think PFPs are the breakout NFT medium. Uh, I'm just going to read out one quote here or tweet from DC Investor, if you follow him on Twitter. Uh, he said, PFPs are the geo cities of NFT art, and I don't mean this in a bad way. And for <laughs> anyone, any of our younger listeners who didn't grow up with geo cities, it was like a platform where you could, I used to have a geo cities, and it was like a website. It was like WordPress before WordPress, or it was like you'd Would sign you? up and you'd create your website. It was like arsenalbox.geocities.com or something like we that. We got to get that internet archive running on that, Bilal. I get know, it going. man. Bling, bling, king, <laughs> arsenalbox. As well, yeah, but... But yeah, that, I just thought that was a nice throwback. But Jack, you kind of started talking about it there. Um, yeah, he he nailed it, and I like did a um, quote tweet on that tweet itself. Like, if GeoCities is like the bootstrapping of websites, or like people making their own websites, then yeah. I think uh, it makes it tangible, right? It turns it's this thing that turns like the information in your head into a page on a screen that you can share with other people. And I think what the profile picture trend 
is based on is this idea of like remote coordination. So you obviously it stre- like it creates a network effect for the asset, but it also like helps you find people that like view the world in a similar way to you do very, very quickly. So like all of these people in community X, like when I first bought a CryptoPunk and changed my avatar to a CryptoPunk, my whole inbox just went ding, 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 ding. Like, oh, welcome, 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 welcome. Made friends with people who have been in the ecosystem for a couple of years. And especially if like the project has a very specific intention or it's like, uh, I think CryptoPunks may be gears towards like early adopters of crypto, just one as a function of how old it is and two, like how much it costs to get in there for a good amount of time. So I think it's like this way to bootstrap community and then build stuff in a different way than like, if I have Web3 in my bio, you're not saying like, oh, let me DM that person. It's like way more broad than this person has put skin in the game in the same asset that I own. And um, we can kind of coordinate. And if in some cases, like build upon the project that we're invested in together, like in some of these CCO projects, it's like you identify the people that think this thing is, you know, more valuable than it's currently valued at and you can work together to build stuff. So I think it's like a interesting bootstrapping layer and it coasts off of the network effects of these massive platforms. Like without Twitter and Instagram, Twitter specifically, I don't think I don't think this market would exist. Like it, it definitely would be yeah, a thousandth of its network. size. And Twitter has captured zero percent of the value. Oh yeah, my yeah, and uh, like it's kind of a man trunk. Maybe you can think of a couple of things here. Like that maybe there has to be some analogous examples, but it's like the profile picture is like in order for you to use Twitter, you. 99% of people use a profile picture and you've built a market that exists independently of that, but you're completely taking yeah. advantage of the like the distribution of this other platform. It's pretty yeah. fascinating. Well, it's like probably like Farmville, right? For Facebook before uh, mm, it's yeah. like, oh, here here is a, there's a social wow, network yeah. with your friends and families. Okay, we're going to build a game onto this social network, which captures all the dynamics of friends and families and adds gamification. But then sure enough, Facebook's just like crushes it with the algo change, right? <laughs> totally crushed Zynga. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think this is why the, the PFP NFT is so interesting. It's like, like what Twitter's going to get rid of profile pictures? Right? Exactly, like, yeah. It's not going to happen. This is not an API. This is yeah. not like something that you need permission to do. It's like you upload a freaking yeah. JPEG into the container and away you go. Well, it's like it's just like how you think about uh, what is the most valuable real estate in the digital world, right? It's like uh, it's the top of Google search results. It's anything on Amazon's screen, right? It's like it's on the product page. Now it's a, a profile picture for Twitter is like literally the most valuable. And I think, I think you nailed this, like the least defensible part for the incumbent company is the profile picture at Twitter. Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to stop people from uploading? Right. It's like an Amazon, you can't just put anything on the website. They control it. Right. And uh, well, the other, actually the most valuable screen real estate other than like the Google search box is probably the uh, checkout page for Amazon mm. is like, uh, if you could put like a, like how a firm, you know, how a firm has that thing on. Yeah. Uh, yeah on Amazon, like that's like, I mean, that's why they skyrocketed when they had the partnership, right? Checkout pages are the, probably the most valuable. Coinbase commerce. 
Google we use Commerce, that. yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, using that uh, on Visualized Value. But what, what do you think about the fact that it's about signaling too, though, right? Because in the same way we've talked about Rolex watches are oh, a handshake totally. from afar or something yeah. like that, like I've <laughs> phrased in the past. Um, like there's an interesting thing. Like if you post a screenshot, I know like in, the, in our world, people do post screenshot of, you know, like revenue and profit. I know, I think Jack, you've even done that in like a building in public sort of way, mm -hmm, but yeah. that doesn't come across as like, oh, showing off. Like I've never seen it like that. It's always come across as, oh, he's sharing. It's like quite useful for people. It's proving what he's doing is working. It's different to kind of like the Ty Lopez style you know youtube uh look at check out these cars ads, look at these cars, these cars and like where it feels fake and you're not actually seeing what's happening in a funny way like if you own an actual crypto punk or you know mm -hmm. board ape they cost you know it's like 50 rolex watches by this point yeah. right or more but it's not like hey look at my wealth it's kind of like hey i'm into this kind of new club and most people don't know what it is so it's all it still comes down to that underlying human need whether you think oh, that's yeah. a good or a bad thing of signaling or just like look at me i'm different L look how sick i am i'm a g but you know it, it, but in, it's kind of in a playful way so i think that's another reason why there aren't many other ways you can do that if you just post a picture of it that lasts for you know th that one tweet or one post versus every single person who sees your profile it's pretty mad. There's uh, someone posted this thing on Twitter recently. It's like the original NFT, which was like a, a I am rich app. Have you seen that one before? Like <laughs> oh yeah, the, uh, the diamond, hilarious. right? It's like you pay $10,000 <laughs> for a diamond. <laughs> yeah. That's so Genius. funny. Genius. Someone came up with that in what, 2008? It was like yeah. when the app store was popping, there's like 2007, 2008. It's like, hey, this is like, here's the most expensive item in the app store. Smart, right? It's like we're selling 10 of them. Like, here you go. I also think that someone tweeted this as well. It, the first NFT was really uh, when guys were buying girlfriends a star in the sky. Do you remember that? When yeah. they were naming stars <laughs> yeah. in the sky? Yeah. That An acre so on the weak. moon, all that one as well. <laughs> Wait, actually, Jack, you want to know what's funny is uh, you actually have the equivalent of that uh, the $10,000 iPhone diamond app. It's on your uh, open foundation right now. You have like a the most expensive NFT, NFT you listed, yeah, right? Yeah. If anyone's listening, you're in the market for the most expensive NFT in the <laughs> world. What's that listed at right first. now? I think it's like 42,000 Ethereum, which back then was 69. <laughs> back then was $69 million, but now it's probably 150 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was a, you priced it a dollar above Beeple, right? Just like how. No uh, takers yet, though, boys. <laughs> how still can, sitting how, there. How Kenny Griffin <laughs> took on Constitution Dow, you just put a dollar above. Yeah. Yeah, All right, boys. Uh, oh, go, go, 2022 go is going to be a good year for NFTs. That's my prediction. Yeah, okay, it's already that's, that's... started heating up, right? Uh, early on this year. Mm -hmm. um, boys, I think we can, uh, we've got a couple other things to cover. So unless you have anything else, we can move on to the last section on it. worst predictions. So Trung, I know you have been kind of studying this and making jokes about this for a little while. Yeah. But we wanted to do it's the new year and it's the time where everyone says their best predictions which 90% end up being completely wrong. Um, so yeah, over to you, man. Like what, what I think you wanted to just, give I'm us a few gonna, options or something. Yeah, I'm going to nail some off and you guys tell me which is the worst one. We'll do them in sets of three. Okay, here we go. 1876. This is from a Western <laughs> Union internal memo. The telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. All right, 
That's Western Union. So there's going to be a common theme that you guys are going to see. I want you guys to tell me what the common theme is. Okay. So Western Union said that. Pop quiz section we got going yeah, on. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> All right. So next one we have is a, a mathematician. He goes, flight by machine heavier than air is unpractical and insignificant. Airplanes will never take off. And then Jesus. here we go. <laughs> 1903, the president of Michigan Shaving Bank, Savings Bank told Henry Ford, the horse is here to stay but the automobile is only a novelty. All right. Of those three, which ones is the most jarring to you guys? So wait, you said uh, horse, car, airplane, the and horse, what was the first one? Uh, the telephone. That's a hard one. That's a hard one, right? Uh, I mean, these are like prominent individuals. These are like some of the most notable people in their field. I mean, the meta, the, if we're talking about meta stories, the meta story is here. Predictions are hard, man. It's just like... Yeah. Things that people see, just you just never really know what's coming on. But the, the theme that I wanted to bring out was basically like the people saying this is totally against their incentives for that thing to succeed. Mm. But the Western Union guy is like, yeah, phones will never work because we run telegraphs. Like that's yeah. the way to communicate. And so then, what like, was the most recent one you said, Trung? It was the car one. I, I got like 10 more, but those were like the ones I would really say good. just because they're all terrible. They're all 10 out of 10 terrible. But I will say... Probably I'll just say the most recent one because the the later the earlier you go in time, the more likely you are to not believe there's going to be that sort of mm. yeah. big change. So I'd probably say that, but go, go kind of understandable if you like if you said to me now everyone's going to have like self driving cars in ten years or whatever it is, most people still wouldn't believe that, and we yeah. probably will. So uh, I just Jack, think what our, about our, you, mate? Yeah, Jack. What what are your thoughts? Do you want to say the three again? It was between uh, yeah, horses and three. cars. Yeah. The Western Western Union said the telephone will never work. A mathematician, a prominent mathematician said the airplane will never fly. And then a big bank executive told Henry Ford that horses are here to stay. And we're saying that's the worst. Which one's the worst? Yeah. Which one's the worst prediction? I mean, they're all terrible. Uh, yeah. I would, I would say that um, like... The telephone one, you can kind of forgive them for that because it's like, to Bilal's point, it's like that is like true magic to someone who just be like, what the hell? Yeah. But I think yeah, there's probably true. evidence for like, pro like engines by the time horses were around, right? There was like, yeah. there were mechanical devices. So I would say I'll probably side with Bilal on you that. You know what? Actually, I think you guys actually brought up a great point about the telephone one also is like that Western Union guy probably had the understanding of network effects, right? He's like, well, if two people have telephones, like this thing is going to be useless. Yeah. And he's like, if this isn't like a popular mass market thing, um, well, the, the the interesting about the horse one, I'll just I'll, I'll add this point here. I know we're running out of steam a bit. Is uh, the the problem with horses is actually huge. If you guys Google what the cities look like when horses were around, there were like cesspools of horse dung everywhere, and like it was like mm. dangerous to live in those cities. Right? It's like very unhealthy, uh, which is why if you go to a lot of old European cities they have very narrow roads and uh, it's because they don't want fucking horses chopping around, chopping, uh, dropping dung everywhere because it's very dangerous to live in environments where there's dung everywhere. Right. Uh, like horse dung. I don't know there's if that's a bit term. on uh, Silicon Valley about this. Have you, have you watched that? Yeah. 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 Where, where he's talking about it. it's great. Um, I was going to say the Paul Krugman uh, fax machine, the, the internet, internet is going to be yeah. no more significant than a fax machine. 
Well, that's, that's actually, kind of I mean, a, that's probably up there. That's definitely bad, up there. I think. So, yeah. Especially from a Nobel or whatever. Like, he's like a, with the Nobel economist. I don't know if the yeah. Nobel gives a economics, but the and then, Trung, I think you wrote about this, and sorry if I'm skipping ahead, but um, I don't know if this was on your list, but Steve Ballmer, he talked about that when the iPhone came out, it was too expensive, I think he said, and it doesn't have a keyboard. Yeah, that's that's definitely the most famous in the last. I More mean, people love to one. dunk on it. Well, it's we sh- next week we should actually talk about the iPhone because it'll be the 15th anniversary of the unveiling of the iPhone. That's uh, crazy. I did write you. I, it's it's insane. It doesn't. Can you believe it only came out 15 years ago? 15. I don't, years I don't ago. know if that's a long time or not a long yeah, time. Yeah, I can't this point. tell. I can't I even don't figure know. it out. It feels like maybe ago. a long time. It's like yeah, half, I was gonna say it almost feels. <laughs> it feels like it's just happened. Overnight, we just oh, got like so the used wave? to it. Yeah, like the mobile. Yeah, that's true. And right? fifteen like, years ago feels like way into Web one two since we yeah. talk about Web three all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? You're like, oh, fifteen. That's like because so much has changed. Like fifteen years ago, there was no Uber, there was no Airbnb, like the stuff we're all used to using. So yeah. in a way, it almost feels kind of like a long time as well. well what so- was your first phone? Like, what was the capabilities of your first mobile phone? Mine was like a one-line display LED. That's I it. had a Nokia. I had one of yeah, those Nokia, Nokia as well. ones. I, I yeah. think I had a 3210. Nice. With Snake. Champion is Snake. And then when you become a little bit more gangster, you get like the 8850, the smaller ones, 8210. <laughs> it was one with a titanium. The, yeah. yeah, it shot out. That was kind of hard to get. And then Ming, you would Ming, have, King. you could go online and get like the, what was it called? The, the ringtones and you type in, do you remember that? You type in you the have stuff. To, to, like compose them dude, yourself. Yeah. Ringtones used to be a billion dollar business, like a yeah, multi-billion incre- dollar business. Incredible. You get that's a little Soul Solid Crew remix going with Punjabi <laughs> MC. That was mine for several years. <laughs> I think, you know, what's, like, what's interesting about that is like, maybe there's some interesting analogy to nfts in there where it's like technology like deflationary like it's price deflationary over time it's like this market just makes no sense in that yeah. context it's pretty, well they're it's bringing scarcity into the digital realm right that's the entire point yeah it was just it's just uh like the way that those technologies have reached like true critical mass have been through price deflation is my yeah. point uh, Bilal, let okay. me address the Steve Ballmer thing super quickly. Yeah, let's go for it. So yesterday, uh, a lot of listeners, I'm guessing, had probably read or saw, I put a thread up about BlackBerry versus iPhone. The reason I brought it up is because uh, this will come out on the 6th or 7th of January. But on yeah, January just a couple 4th, of days. Uh, yeah. yeah, so a couple of days. So on January 4th, BlackBerry is going to stop uh, supporting text, cell, and uh, voice on all their legacy devices. Apparently, people are still using Blackberries. So BlackBerry stopped manufacturing phones in 2016. But the whole thrust of the thread I wrote, I wrote it because of the news that was coming out. The stopping support was like, you know, at the time, no one actually could have really predicted what happened with Apple. It's like all the tech media was like, this thing's going to fail. They were, they agreed with Steve Ballmer. It's like $500 for a phone, like subsidized by AT&T. It's insane. And and remember, iPhone 1 wasn't that good. It's like the internet. Did you guys ever have the first iPhone? Like it wasn't that it wasn't that great. I don't right? think I did. I think I had a Blackberry Bolt back yeah, then. Yeah, the Bolt, too, right? Yeah, Dude, Bolt, you, well, Bolt, you had a Blackberry. How sick was the Blackberry, to be honest? Oh, for the time. Incredible. Unreal. You just be BBMing. I miss it now. In a way. I still miss it you're, now. You still miss it, right? 18-year-old. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, they're talking about uh, 
I mean, I'll just, I'll run through like the three big things, the mistakes they made was number one, they weren't consumer focused, right? It's like, so BlackBerry was so popular with corporate and government execs because of security and email and like Bilal BBMing, BBMing some shorties. Uh, that's super popular. Uh, BBM was so popular amongst the young crowd. Like that was their into the consumer market, but they locked it to the BlackBerry. And then we saw in 2014 with WhatsApp, $19 billion acquisition by Facebook, a cross-platform messaging service would have been massive. And BlackBerry, just like, no, it has to stay with our phone. Whatever, fair enough. They prioritize security. But somebody brought up such an amazing point. They sent it to me. I just added to the thread. Uh, at this point, I guess nobody has probably read or, or maybe followed up on it. They go, the, the main reason that BlackBerry failed was not these kind of micro decisions they made, not like, hey, they didn't go consumer, their software wasn't great, they had a really bad app store, or they kept the keyboard. Those weren't the reasons. The real reason was the big macro shift and goes back to what Jack was talking about from the beginning, the meta narrative. The meta game that was being traded by Apple was this, that the device you held in your pocket would be a computer. And no one would make a better portable computer than Apple, right? They'd be doing it for, at that point, three plus decades. And it's much easier for a computer software first company, which is what Apple is, software and hardware, to make a general computing device, which you hold in your hand that happens to have a phone service, than it is for BlackBerry, which is a phone company to make a general computing device. And that would be the meta trade. And there you go. I think that sums up and wraps up our conversation, right? It's like, at the end of the day, and who else succeeded with uh, smartphones? Android. They own 80% of the smartphone market. Guess what? They're software first company. They understand general computing. So at the end of the day, when you think about it at that meta frame, like BlackBerry was toast because even these small micro decisions it could have made, the wave was coming. And obviously Steve Jobs saw it, right? Trunk, uh, I think uh, being the resident historian here, I think that what you just said there, if we apply it to kind of forward looking as well, it's something that we all kind of think about when we're looking at you know, companies, we're looking at startups, we're looking at crypto, whatever. That's something I always look at is like, who are these people? And do they have a track record of creating stuff that is forward looking, forward thinking? And uh, it sounds obvious now in hindsight, like, yeah, Apple uh, technologists versus like a enterprise focused company or whatever. Um, But I guess that the big shift is also some technology companies also dwindle and like fall into the background, like Microsoft for a while were the kings for a long time. Then Google came around, started taking over some of their share, even in, um, you know, even when like Google apps came around, I know Office is still dominant in in their world, but there was, there was like for a long time where on the consumer side, Microsoft just wasn't really getting any hits apart from Xbox, I guess. And, um, But I guess the question is, are there examples of traditional companies, in air quotes, that kind of reinvent themselves as real technology companies? Can you think of any examples? Well, you mentioned, while you were talking about uh, Microsoft, to go back to Jack's earlier point, Jack, you asked, what is a comparable example of a company growing on top of somebody else's platform? I think Blash, you just brought the number one. Google grew inside of Internet Explorer. So they basically, mm, that's a good point. So Internet that's Explorer great. was like 80 to 90% of the browser market. Google's like, we're not taking Microsoft on on their turf. We're going to use the Internet Explorer. That's essentially what happened, right? Momentum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they, that might be the best example. I mean, it has to be. That's a $2 that's trillion dollar company that basically grew inside of a started an Internet Explorer. 
So there you go. And it's, that's well, a good point because... Go on, go on. Nah, you finish your thought. This is my uh, way out. No, that's, I was going to say, yeah, I guess it's... Um, because back then, you did, most people... I remember in the, when Google launched Chrome, I remember they would go and interview people on the street and be like, do you know what a web browser is? And people are like, what are you talking about? They and then the they're internet. like, oh, you know, that little E thing. And then uh, when I was there, they had these massive TV campaigns that were trying to e educate people essentially what a browser is and why you need to care, totally. security, speed, et cetera. Mental, yeah. It's just crazy now. We're so used to But now being, Chrome owns 70% of the market, right? It's mad. It's genius. And I remember well, on, but so I used to use Firefox back then. Yeah, same. And, in between, and Opera. Yeah. <laughs> well, Opera, let me answer yeah. your question. Who actually uh, made a good pivot? Uh, I, I, you mentioned it. It's the company that you made the example of, Microsoft. They completely pivoted from a Windows first company, which is a very vertical way of thinking about your business. It's like, if you don't support Windows, we're not going to play with you to like, no, we're going cloud first, which means yeah. we will play with everyone. It's like, that is, I mean, from a market cap ad value, that was it. That was They've probably the killers. Pivot. Yeah. Because like Apple's always been consumer computing. So like iPhone is just an, a continuation of their iMacs to the uh, MacBooks to the iPod to the Nano. But Microsoft did a full pivot from like a vertical focused company to like a totally horizontal. Mm. Anyone can play with us. I think that, well, that's got to be the best one. Trung, and, and just to, to add to what you were saying, my original question was also kind of focused on like traditional companies and i don't know if we would count microsoft traditional because they were around from way before but there was still technology uh, so definitely still a great point but i was thinking of kind of forward looking if we did a whole episode on square coinbase and stripe winning in their markets if you compare that to visa mastercard um banks traditional banks like do we have any faith in any of them reinventing themselves to be able to become you know technology savvy enough to like win you know what i mean i think that's a, i mean dude i think uh well anybody listened to the previous all-in podcast chamath predicted that the biggest losers of 2022 would be yeah. visa and mastercard and i think he answered your question exactly Bilal. he's saying these companies are not incentivized to make the pivot that you're suggesting visa and mastercard are trillion dollar market cap combined almost based on a three percent rip on an old financial system they built that's just free money, man. That's the highest margin dollar on the S&P 500. I think their operating margins are like 60, 70%. They're wow. not giving that up to go to crypto, but crypto is going to be shoved down their throats for that reason. And then the other thing is, even for technology companies, I think another trend I see is the web one dominant companies often aren't the ones who survive for the next phase. You get yeah, the Snapchats, you get totally. the Instagrams pop up. And the question now is, will big tech essentially embrace this new wave? If it is the big wave that we all think it might be, because just speaking to people there, there's there's a lot of people who are like interested, but it's just so slow moving by this point. You're going to convince 100,000 people who are more than that, who are employees there to like know what this is. So when Facebook becomes meta, half the people I know there are like, what the hell are they doing? Like, it doesn't That's make any sense. That's why the meta argument actually, if using your frame is like, if you were to bet on one of these companies to figure out, if you're betting from a philosophical- Like they're uh, actually who, focused on it point of view. It's meta, right? It's because it's still founder led. Zuck controls the company and he literally can, he pointed, he renamed the company to meta. It's very clear what he wants. But if I'm betting on pure technology ability, it's I believe it's Apple because if AR is the future, Apple, they've shifted. 
two billion iPhones. They know how to do hardware, right? And they know how to do it so well. And uh, if hardware and you're going to be wearing glasses on your face, like you're not going to be, you're not going to outdo Apple. But uh, and I, think I guess definitely- my only point on that drawing is that maybe it's the company that doesn't really exist today, you know? And like those guys are going to play Fair, their part. Yeah. But there's probably, I, I would probably bet on that on like a 20 year time horizon. But who, who the hell knows? Uh, all right, boys, I think that was a great way to wrap it up. Anything else uh, on the, the Blackberry side? That was, a, that was a cool little fun well, fact fan. For you guys hopping on BBC tonight, I got reached out by somebody on BBC. The boys. Yeah, from your. Uh, well, you guys, you guys hit me up. Uh, BBC used to mean something. Probably means a little bit, a lot less now. But uh, no, it's still, it's still a BBC. Uh, it's still it's a BBC. an institution, man. Bilal, you can watch that with a cup of tea tonight. I'm watching what it right now, on? mate. It's on the TV. <laughs> what time are you going on, Trung? Uh, I'll be on. Uh, uh, damn, you guys are East Coast. It's gonna be late. I'll be on twelve twenty Eastern, so nine twenty Pacific time. BBC World Services. We'll, we'll get a clip for the we'll get a clip for the listeners. I'll get it. I, yeah, we'll I had to, to say yes, man. To Jack's point, is an institution. I gotta man. Forget CNBC. Forget Bloomberg, which I've both <laughs> been in. Forget Atlantic, which I've been in. BBC guys, this is it. I've done yeah. made it. This is this it. Is I'm retiring. School. This is the one. Yeah, that's amazing, Good man. man. All right, boys. I know uh, we've been going on for a little while now. So thanks for listening all the way here if you did let us know and uh, we've got some big stuff planned for you guys we've we've just been uh coming off the holiday break so we're getting back into the swing of things but every week now we'll be back to it um we're we're figuring out the schedule just a heads up so this will probably start being uh we'll probably be publishing these every thursday or friday but we'll probably be doing thursdays for now we'll obviously let you guys know if any of that changes we're trying to get these at you with a uh, faster turnaround time is something we've been working on for a little while as well so everything will be nice and fresh and we've got a lot more coming in the coming weeks so make sure you're in the telegram group you can click the link in the description below and make sure you're subscribed on apple spotify youtube and just do us a favor and click the little like button below and drop a comment let us know what you think of this and we'll see you in the next one 